Hey everyone, and welcome back to True Crime Pillow Talk, where we talk all things true crime. If you are interested in true crime, don't forget to like and follow me to be notified of the upcoming episodes. Don't forget to check out all of my social media accounts for updates on new cases at true crime underscore pillow talk. But enough talking, and let's get on to today's case. Please note this case discusses abuse and graphic details, so please be advised. Today we will be discussing the Menendez brothers. Jose Enrique Menendez was born May 6, 1944, in Havana, Cuba, moving stateside when he was 16 before the Cuban Revolution began. Jose was an alumni from Southern Illinois University, where he met his wife, Louise Kitty Anderson. The couple got married in 1963 and moved to New York City. While in New York City, Jose earned his accounting degree from Queens College. Kitty then got pregnant and the couple had their first son, Joseph Lyle Menendez, born January 10, 1968. Joseph goes by Lyle, and for the remainder of this episode, that's how I will refer to him. Kitty quit her job as a teacher after Lyle was born and the small family moved to New Jersey. The couple got pregnant again and had another boy named Eric, and he was born November 27, 1970. The family lived in Hopewell Township, New Jersey, and both brothers attended Princeton Day School. Only 16 years later, in 1986, Jose's career took off, and he moved his family to Beverly Hills, California, for a corporate executive position. 1987, Eric started high school at Beverly Hills High, but Eric was not doing so well in school. He was passing, but only at the bare minimum but he showed a remarkable talent for his talent for tennis and he ranked 44th in the United States for 18 and under players. Only two years later, on August 20th, 1989, Jose and Kitty were killed by their own sons. The couple was standing in the den of their home when they were shot. Lyle and Eric walked into the den with shotguns, shooting their dad six times and their mom ten times. Jose's fatal shot was in the back of his head with a Mossberg 12-gauge shotgun. Kitty was shot nine times before crawling on the floor, moaning in pain, while Lyle walked to his car, reloaded his shotgun, and then came back inside, shooting his mother in the cheek, ending her life. Once the shooting was over, both Lyle and Eric decided to stay at the crime scene, believing the police were going to show up due to the loud noise caused by the incident. However, no one complained and no cops showed. The boys then decided to pick up all the shell casings and the guns and leave to get rid of the evidence. When the boys returned, they decided to call the police and Lyle was the one on the phone with the police operator yelling, quote, someone killed my parents, end quote. The police arrived and the brothers told them that the incident happened while they were at the movies watching Batman. When the movie was over, they informed police that they then attended the annual Taste of L.A. Festival. This event was at the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, which is only 20 minutes from their home. However, the tickets they bought for Batman were never used, and they never actually attended the festival. The police believed the boys about the incident and failed to have the brothers complete a gunshot residue test, which would have shown police that they recently used guns. 
Police believe they did not commit these murders as there was no clear evidence to prove that they were a part of the murders. However, the brothers weren't that lucky to have killed their parents and walked away free. The months after the death of both Jose and Kitty, the police started looking at the boys' spending habits. The boys were dining out at luxury restaurants. Lyle bought a Rolex, a Porsche, and a wing restaurant called Chuck Springs Street Cafe. Meanwhile, Eric hired a full-time tennis coach, traveled to Israel, and competed in tennis tournaments. Eventually, the boys met, left the mansion empty and purchased adjoining condominiums in Marina del Rey and took trips to the Caribbean and London. Police found that the boys spent nearly $700,000 between the murders and being arrested. However, family members came forward and informed the police that the boys' spending habits were no different now than they were before the killings. In the early stages of investigating the murders, police were trying to figure out who could have been motivated to kill Kitty and Jose. They looked at mob leaders and other people, but they didn't get very far with the tips that they received. The police then started believing that it had to be the brothers. All of their tips were leading them nowhere, but the brothers had motive. They believed. Police were able to convince one of Eric's friends, Craig, to wear a wire when they met for lunch at a local beachfront restaurant. When Craig asked Eric if he was the one who killed his parents, Eric said no. But Eric started going to a psychologist named Jerome, who was, and this is who Eric eventually confessed to about the murders and what truly happened. Jerome informed his girlfriend, his then-girlfriend, about what Eric informed him, and when he and his ex-girlfriend broke up, she reported to the police what Eric confessed to. Lyle was then arrested March 8, 1990, and Eric turned himself in three days later, and they were both held without bail and separate from each other. It was noted that Lyle allegedly threatened Jerome with doctor-patient privilege when the recorded tapes of the involvement of the murders were brought up to the courts. Judge James Albridge ruled that the tapes were admissible evidence, and Judge James' ruling was appealed. And the proceedings were then delayed for two years, In the Supreme Court of California ruled in August 1992 that most of the tapes were in fact admissible. Accepting the tape where Eric discussed the murders, and after this ruling, the grand jury issued indictments in December 1992 charging both brothers with the murders. Come 1993, the trial was broadcasted on court TV, and the brothers were represented by their defense lawyer, Leslie Abramson. The brothers claimed that they were abused by their parents and they feared for their life, which led to them to kill their parents. They both claimed that they were physically abused by both their mother and father and sexually abused by their father. They described Jose Menendez Menendez as a, quote, cruel perfectionist and pedophile, end quote. And Kitty was described by both the boys as, quote, enabling, selfish, mentally unstable, alcoholic, and a drug addict, end quote. They also stated that she encouraged Jose's behavior and was also violent to them. 
Multiple family members came forward and supported the allegations, stating that the boys talked about the sexual abuse before, saying that they would get, quote, penis massages, end quote, and another cousin came forward and stated she informed Kitty of the molestation, and Kitty stated that was false. Their defense showed photos taken by Jose of the boys' lower regions when they were younger, but the prosecution argued that the killings were done for financial gain, but had zero evidence to back it up. This was then disputed by the defense, stating that the boys did not know they were collecting any inheritance. Pam Bozenich, which was Lyle's prosecutor, stated, quote, men could not be raped because they lacked the necessary equipment to be raped, end quote. And Lester Kiramiah, Eric's prosecutor, stated, quote, Eric was homosexual, and that the sexual abuse was actually consensual, end quote. A couple weeks before the murder took place, Eric and Lyle discussed the abuse among themselves. This conversation led to many confrontations within the family, and both Lyle and Eric stated Jose threatened to kill them if they didn't keep the sexual abuse between them three. This is when the brothers found that rifles were in, hidden in a secret place in their parents' room, and this is what led the boys to go out and buy their own shotguns for what they consider protection. A few minutes before Kitty and Jose were killed in the den, the boys confronted them. Jose closed the doors, which the boys stated was unusual, and this is what led Lyle to go outside, load the shotguns, bring them back inside, hand one to Eric, and him and Eric killing their parents. Eric informed the courts, quote, as I went into the room, I just started firing, end quote. With two deadlock jurors, the Los Angeles County District Attorney, Gil Garcetti, had no choice but to immediately announce that the Menendez brothers were to be retried. In the second trial, no cameras were allowed due to Judge Stanley Wiesberg's rule. Judge Stanley did not allow much time for the defense to argue and did not allow the jurors to vote on manslaughter charges, but only murder charges. The Menendez brothers were convicted on two counts of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder. They were both sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole, but due to the defense not having much time for their case, the jury decided not to impose the death penalty. This was also because the brothers had no pre previous criminal history of violence before the killings occurred. Both brothers filed, for, filed a motion for mistrial, claiming they suffered irreversible damage in the penalty case as a result of possible misconduct and ineffective representation by Aberson. July 2, 1996, the brothers were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and also sentenced them to two consecutive sentences, including charges of conspiracy to commit murder. On this day, Lyle also married Anna Erickson at a ceremony attended by Abraham and Lyle's aunt, Marta Menendez. February 27, 1998, the California Court of Appeal upheld the brothers' murder convictions. May 28, 1998, the Supreme Court of California declined the review, declined to review the appeal case. In 1999, the brothers filed habeas corpus petitions with the Supreme Court of California, and they were denied again. 
Eric married Tammy Sakoman at the Folsom State Prison on June 12, 1999 in a prison waiting room and their wedding cake was a Twinkie. The brothers were in the California Department of Corrections, separated from each other, and they sent them to different prisons during pre-child detention. Not only were they separated from each other, but they were also separated from general population as well, since they were considered, quote, maximum security inmates, end quote. Kyle Lyle and Anna got a divorce on April 1st, 2001, and this is after Anna found out that Lyle was allegedly cheating on her with another woman. On March 4th, 2003, a judge recommended a denial for the petitions and the district court agreed. November 2003, Lyle married Rebecca Sneed at a ceremony in the visiting area. It's noted that the couple knew each other for about 10 years before their engagement. An ABC News interview in October of 2005 with Tammy, she describes hers and Eric's marriage as, quote, something that I've dreamed about for a long time, and it's just something very special that I never thought that I would ever have, end quote. On September 7, 2005, a, a three-judge panel denied both habeas corpus petitions, and until February of 2018, the brothers remained in separate prisons, and then Lyle was moved from Mule Creek State Prison in Northern California to Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego County. But both brothers remained in separate units. Eric also got to spend time at Pleasant Valley Prison in California. Colinga, California, and on April 4th, 2008, Lyle was moved to the same unit as Eric, and this was the first time they were ever together in prison in almost 22 years. Both the brothers started crying and hugging each other in the, in the unit, and they reunited um, and the unit that they reuni reunited in was reserved for only inmates who agreed to participate in education and rehabilitation without any disruptions. Both of the brothers are still alive today, and I don't have much information as to where they are currently, um, minus in prison, um, but they are still at the facility um, where they had to agree to participate in education and rehabilitation. Um, so yeah, thank you all for tuning into another episode of True Crime Pillow Talk. Until next time, be safe out there. Bye.